Inner Papa. Inner Papa. Papa? Inner Papa? Papa's a dick, okay? Papa's a piece of shit. Papa is Papa's dead. No, he's not. You sure? No, he was officially declared dead by the Duffer Brothers. There is dead and there's mostly dead. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to a new and exciting season of Three and a Half Gentlemen. Usually we're the podcast where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis of movies from our private collections while one of us tries desperately to keep up. But before we dive into season four of our regularly scheduled podcast, we decided to bring you a few off-brand reviews of some of our favorite things premiering in 2022. Don't worry, we'll still let you decide which host is the half. So sit back, relax, and join me and my most excellent co-host, Jeremiah. I'll see you on the other side, yo. Eddie. Uh, I want to be like Steve. <laughs> and Brandon. No, dude, I want to be like Steve. No, I'm Steve. That's, that's all I got. That's Everyone all I got. wants to be like Steve. Everybody wants to be Steve. I'll, I'll babysit the shit out of everybody. Chest. That's the oh coolest thing right here, hair chest. I told, him, I told him to tame the beast, bro. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, so fresh off a review of Disney Plus, Obi-Wan Kenobi, we decided that we wanted to review the latest entry of a television show, though, which means that the hosts will be traveling in between for the next few weeks as we bring you reviews of Stranger Things Season Volume 1 and Volume 2. Just like normal, we're going to answer the core question of our podcast. How many drinks it takes to get through an episode we just watched? Each episode is going to have its own individual score, and at the end of the season, we're going to combine those scores and divide them to give you a whole series score. Season score, not a series. Come on, Sean. Fucking <laughs> season. Oh uh, well, we'll still rate the episode based on the scale of zero to five. Zero being the perfect episode that you can watch Stone Cold sober, and five being the sort of episode that makes you want to huddle in the corner of the, and upside down, humming your favorite tune. All right, Brandon, we're at episode one. Take us through the Hellfire Club. All right, so in the first episode of Stranger Things, there. season fucking four. The Hellfire Club finds our ragtag group separated between Hawkins, California, and somewhere very cold that turns out to be Russia or the Soviet Union, if we're going to be specific. We pick up exactly 185 <laughs> days after the season of uh, after the events of season three. And we find out that not everyone has recovered. Everyone seems to be a little off as they for- forge forge. I'm going to start that over. All right, the first episode, the Hellfire Club finds our ragtag group separated between Hawkins, California, and somewhere very cold that turns out to be Russia or the Soviet Union. Or the Soviet Union. Yes. <laughs> we pick up exactly 185 days after the events of season three to find that not all uh, of, our, of our favorite people are recovered. Everyone seems to be a little off as they forge their way into their uncertain futures and wait to reunite during spring break. Damn, that was a fucking summary right. right there. That was a summary and a half. So uh, let's start. Let's start with uh, kind of this whole setup, which I believe is the setup of the season, which is the in, the reintroduction of season one, the the study rooms and Papa, and the idea that they're running experiments on children with special abilities, and we don't really at this point know why. Um, so we've got Papa as a character, Matthew Modine. Um, just played wonderfully as usual. It was wonderful Always. to see him back. Uh, and and he's such a fastidious man. Like the way he does a crossword puzzle, and the way just, just it just brought me back, like right into his character so quickly. I just thought it was really really yeah, effective. So much hatred there. <laughs> so, the, the way though that we start, like the, they jump straight into, uh, I think one of the most intense 
moments in recent TV history. And granted, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but I was I was surprised, shocked. Um, but at the same time, I thought that they did it really, really well. This this massacre that we then kind of understand more later on in the series or in the season. Um, but it's just fucking intense right from the get go. I think like seriously, like season four, like pays homage to 80s horror films. I mean, it, it, you feel like it drew inspirations of like uh, Nightmares on Elm Street, you know, uh, uh, Hellraiser, even Halloween. And I think the first 10 minutes of this episode of the uh, Hellfire Club and the last 10 minutes of the episode is scary and pretty fucking gory, man. Like, it doesn't hold back. And you're just yeah. like, oh, shit, this is not going to be PG-13 here. Yeah. They're, they're going to go an extra step on this one right here. Very scary. It was very scary, too. Like, like I, I instantly started feeling, like, with with episode one, with the Hellfire Club, you instantly... I think after, I mean, I'm going to jump this episode a little bit with Chrissy, but you instantly got the idea of like, oh, this is like Freddy Krueger status. Like, this is like, oh, absolutely. like really like horror film. Yeah. But what I love about the show, um, or at least really this season, because I'll be honest, um, we didn't do first impressions, but at the same time, I'm going to just give you my brief first impression here. And that's that I've always liked Stranger Things one through three, but I've never been like obsessed like most people have. Um, so I came into this like, you know, just ready for another good, well put together season. But what I love about it, Jer, is that you're right. It, it pays homage to eighties horror films, but what else it does is it pays homage to those eighties um, f- movies about friendship and high school relationships. And you look at the John Hughes's and you look at the, uh, you know, those other ones in the eighties because it's a, it's, it's a show. Yeah. It's about like horror, ET, but that's, man. that's seriously. Yeah. We'll see. Fact, see. Right? But that's that's kind of where it started. That's that was the core of the show when it started. It was very nostalgic, but it also had some wonderful like growth. It had growth with each character, and and it it had like it had that good eighties growth, not like the poorest growth of today, but like a bunch of friends riding their bikes and you know good wholesome fun. No TV. They have D and D, and then and and I think people forget they fucking killed killed quote unquote killed will byers in the first episode of stranger things in that et like hut it was terrifying and and for the whole fucking season you thought he was maybe dead maybe not dead and then they kind of brought him back and said oh my god he really is dead they found his body and so this show has not been afraid to to kind of push the genres and blend the genres and give you this like very noir feel, very eighties feel. I think Jeremiah had something, and then Brandon. So what I thought was like you know when the first Stranger Things came out, it was very like you know it's like Spielberg meets Stephen King. I mean that was kind of like the whole like idea of like the thing was about. But as we're talking about this season right here, this is a real horror show, man. I mean this was some right. That was, it was pretty intense. I did not expect them to go this hardcore as for season four. I was like, oh shit, they're maybe they're doing up. what they're they're yeah. doing what Harry Potter did is they're getting exactly. they're getting more violent or more gory or more graphic as the kids yeah, gory, get older. Sl- a gory slasher film. Like it became like a gory slasher. It was like, oh, okay, we're gonna actually have people die quickly in the very beginning of this uh season mm-hmm. with the Hellflower Club. And it, and it reminded me a little bit, Jeremiah. Forgive me if I'm 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 mixing. Uh, I I don't remember it specifically, but uh, uh, American Horror Story season one, mm-hmm. and it kind of I, I don't know if anybody remembers that, but it was kind of the same kind of shooting mentality. Like yeah. yeah, but but he was he was like a um you know I don't like to say this because this happens all the time, but 
now and we have to deal with it as a society but like the school shootings that's what i got like a feeling of where someone came in and just like was just wrecking something that was so like secure and so protected and so safe and it it just kind of gave me that feeling of of unease and they did put like a you know netflix put a little uh disclaimer at the beginning of the episode um and it did feel it felt like it felt horrible like it felt like something horrible had happened and to think that 11 did that i think it started off with like i almost i almost didn't feel that sorry for 11 right right like oh my god is she the reason like is she the villain are they gonna make her the villain that was my first thought yeah she's the reason why this whole town went to went went down a little bit right yeah right well i mean i i I think yeah we need we need to come back to this later episodes and really look at kind of Eleven's uh, part. I don't want to say her fault, but her this her part in in everything that's happened. And we're going to come back to that. But like literally, my second note here says it definitely changes our perception of Eleven, right? Because the way that it frames it, and I don't know how much we're going to spoil about it later, but we find out that things aren't always as they seem. But the way that it frames it is exactly like we 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 don't have the sympathy that we once had for Eleven. And so when she starts getting bullied, it's not like we're rooting for the bully at all. But at the same time, we're like. Huh, oh, you yeah. just slaughtered about 40 people in in a pretty intense way. <laughs> well and 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 during that bully montage where she like gets mad, she raises her hand and it's like you killed FBI agents with your like flick of your head like you're not I I know we've been rooting for 11 the whole time and I love 11. I love these kids, don't get me wrong, but there you know she was she fucked shit up. Like she she's she's not been uh, necessarily like a tame person. She's a serial murderer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Putting her putting her in high school. Ego murderer. Putting her in school is a risky business. Like putting her in a, a public school, realistically, like mo- taking her out of, I don't know, Hawkins High School and moving her to California, that's still like a, a bulge move to have her begin in high school. Like that's yeah. really risky with no friends. There's two things I want to talk about. I mean, would you guys, because first and foremost, I made me feel kind of like, uh, it made me feel like shit watching L get, you know, Eleven get bullied, man. That shit was pretty rough to watch. You're just like, oh, fuck, that's embarrassing, man. I hate that. I hate it. It made me awkward, yeah. What do you guys think of, like, this season here for, this is the first time that we have all of our heroes spread apart from each other, you know? And it kind of felt like, and what do you guys think? Like, a lot of things felt like Empire Strikes Back. Like, it had that arc of it, you know? Where all of our heroes are going on their different adventures and actually kind of finding their ways and whatnot. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I mean, okay, so that's one of the things. Uh, I have um, massive amounts of applause to give the Duffer brothers and, and everybody else that, that went into the writing and the directing of this. But one of the things that they did beautifully is that they perfectly balanced all the different stories, right? You didn't overdo it. If anything, I want a little bit more of some of the stories and they cut away um, to leave us, you know, on that little cliffhanger. But what they did is they balanced really three different places and and what it ends up becoming near the end is six different storylines that all converge, you know, obviously together at the end, but it never felt imbalanced. I mean, the way that they did it, you're right. It's, it's empire, uh, done just as well as Empire in that we have complete balance. We we get enough screen time of each and every one of the characters that we never feel like, oh, I wonder what's happening with Hopper right now, you know? Um, and I, I mean, that that's not easy to do. 
That's the triumph. That's the triumph of this entire season is the pacing from beginning mm-hmm. to end. I know Jeremiah made a joke like the last episode is two hours, right, or through whatever it is two and a half two hours. Two and a half hours. But the, should have been the twelve. The pacing of this show, the pacing yes. of the show from from the first season, the first scene of episode one to the last scene of episode whatever eight or nine, eight, nine, eight, nine, nine. 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 Yeah. It it they they took their time and really allowed the camera to develop the characters to develop the scenes and that is my criticism of the new Star Wars movies and every time somebody comes and makes a sequel you know George Lucas had the slow introduction of Tatooine of the two moons of of mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker you felt the isolation you fe- you felt the character and that's what the duffers i think did with this show is they actually they you, you know 11 wasn't alone without mike for very long but it was just long enough to go god it's weird that they're apart it's weird yes. that she doesn't have any friends it's weird that she's getting bullied and it, it made the audience go ooh i have after what we just witnessed now i have a little bit more sympathy for her which i think is funny because yes. they toyed with your emotions 100%. Also, also, I want to go back. I mean, let's go, talk about the atmosphere. Like, they've done a great job, Stranger Things, from the very beginning with their soundtrack or the, mm, the score. Absolutely. Right? Man. And also yeah. the, the, the cost, I don't know, the whole stage and the costumes makes you feel like you're in 1986. Right? You, right now, you're in 1986. Cinematographically, like, the it's whole on vibe. Point. I remember season... Yeah, it's seriously on point. Season one was what Christmas time. Season two was Halloween. Season three was Fourth of July. Uh, season four made me think like, how are we going to do this? What season are we going to do? Spring break. It, it still threw me for a loop. Like, and then the whole like soundtrack was so on point. I mean, the store was so on point. And then the the clothes, the style. You see, I think it's Mike's mom, Nancy's mom. Her style has changed from the very beginning. Every year, now she yeah. has this foofy hair. It's like, oh my, oh my god! Like she's on point with like. Just these little details that you don't get. Get that chair, Winona Ryder, right? Oh, God, I love Winona Ryder. That was the reason why I even watched like Stranger Things the first time. I was like, oh, it looks cool, 80s. Oh, Winona Ryder, fuck, I'm I'm here. (laughs) But uh, two things here, two things, guys. Um, I like the fact that this season, season one, two, three, it kind of had like that little wink, you know, like, oh, it's an 80s show. Here's little things that you used to do in the 80s, whatnot. I never got that vibe on this one, by the way, which I thought With was pretty cool. the music only. Yeah, oh, but the music, it supported the show. Exactly. Which and it, awesome, but, it always, but it always has. The music has always like socked you in the gut. I remember watching season one, and I, I want to say it was David Bowie's Heroes, when they found Will's body in the water, in the wash. No. They found his body, and it was the slow version of Heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, or was yeah. it? It was so fucking I, I good. Believe it, I believe it was Peter Gabriel's version of the It was Bowie's Peter Gabriel's. Yeah. That's, that's right. And it just like it, it ripped your heart out. Like it was so amazing. I will never and, forget. Yeah, I'll never forget when they actually played uh, Joy Division Atmosphere. I'm like, I love the show. That was, yeah, it. Yeah, that was fucking it. I'm in. That's all I fucking needed right there. So, so the backdrop of I think this show um, has always been the music and connecting beautifully songs that you don't necessarily like. I the like running up that hill for this season. I, I'd Sorry, never heard of this me. song. Yeah, no, but I, I'd never heard of this song. I'd never, it was in this episode too. She listens to it in her in her uh, headphones. You're but right. I, Jumping I, off the bus. I, I never, I never really heard it before. And 
instantly I'm like, ooh, this ties in so well. It's like the music drives the story, the, the costumes drive the story, the sets drive the story. Everything is working beautifully in the story together to, to go forward. I yeah. do think that we need to start talking a little bit about the new characters that were introduced because I hate new characters uh, in a show, hate them with passion. But and Eddie. Stranger Eddie. Things is magnificent. Eddie, Eddie the free Stranger Things, man. Come on. Stranger Things does amazing with introducing new characters. I don't know what it is, but instantly I'm always afraid, like, oh, this person's going to die, maybe. Yeah. Right. So, like, I love Eddie. Brandon? Eddie was the shit, man. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Eddie is the shit. I, I want to I come out and just be clear that I was. Um, taking the the really kind of conservative, subtle approach of saying, okay, this show needs to wow me because I'm not just over-the-top Stranger Things fan. This is us uh, kind of breaking it down and really trying to evaluate it and be critical about some of the faults. And in, you know, in, in episode one, um, I have notes that say, man, I'm tired of over-characterized characters like Eddie Munson, who's just like over-the-top and not realistic. And I'm sitting there going, God damn it, I'm tired of this. Um, it's just, it's cliche. I was like, he's going to be a bully. He's yeah. a pain in the ass. And uh, you guys can hold yeah, on at home and, and keep listening to the end of season uh, of this uh, little portion yeah. of, of season four <laughs> to find out what I really <laughs> think no, of but, Eddie Munson. But but you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Is you had the introduction of two characters that I hated. I hated Eddie Munson. I thought he was a bully. I thought he was like an uh, like a senior. I'm like, move on. Why are you having freshmen in your third D&D year senior? Club? Bro. Yeah, like third year senior. Fucking, <laughs> you're a loser. Like why are we why are we wasting screen time of this? I hated the jock that they introduced the basketball, the basketball jock. oh uh chrissy's boyfriend uh chrissy didn't boyfriend. like him yeah. didn't like him, him like jason or something and like just chrissy and i and i, I fucking hated and i fucking hated argyle argyle the pot smoking oh. uh, uh uh pizza delivery man and i'm like are you serious after such beautiful characters as bob newby who i fucking loved which is max Sean. billy Sean up. You Sean know, Austin. And I yeah. loved I even loved Carrie Ellis from last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I really there was great characters, great depth and I'm like this is who you pick. These are the two, you know, knuckleheads that you're bringing in. And stay and tuned boy, to find out. Wrong. But yes. anyway, continue. <laughs> you were so we were so wrong. Let's just put it that way. And I love that moment between Eddie and Chrissy where you just see these two people that felt like outcasts in a lot of ways and somehow in a little way they were actually they were actually able to connect with one another, like you know, like hey, we're not we're all, we're kind of weird, you know, we're we're different and shit like that, you know. Well, I, I will say this: one of the things that this episode did is I don't know what show it's in, but it's in a it's I think it's a Hughes, and you have one of the. Uh, actors it's a little old lady and she's a administration works for the high school and she starts naming off all the groups the geeks the sluts the athletes the you know i I don't remember which one i think it was thursday off and you kind of got right (laughs) you've got that from munson right so he's labeling all the different groups but what i loved about it is that you what you had is all the groups coming together as they always do in Stranger Things, it's almost like the class system doesn't exist. And they go out and they get, you know, Lucas's sister and they bring everyone together. And I, I just love that concept. Which is it's, it's really beautiful. great, by the way. And can we talk about Lucas? Oh my God, Lucas, you see an instant, like, you feel like this weird awkwardness and like, oh, it's high school. Lucas is trying to be popular and trying to get in with the crowd for his group of friends. They're like, well, we don't have to be like the outcasts anymore. But, the, but then Dustin and, 
uh, Mike. Mike was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's us. But Luchas is like, I don't like being that outcast. Like, you saw this disconnect of, like, the form starting to break. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, it started to – L's already gone. Will – is it Will? L and Will is yeah. already out. Like, they're in California. Matt's is being – is like, Matt's is already being weird Max with Luchas and the whole group. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, you, you feel this, like, the group's not the same. But the Hellfile Club, I was just like, this – I want this shirt. Even though Eddie's it was weird in the first episode, I was still thinking, like, this is a pretty cool club to be in a part of like, I remember I wasn't a part of this club in high school. And I, I remember those, there's, there was a club like this in my high school and I was not a part of it. And I regret that actually. <laughs> I was in the baseball you, club. You also got like the footloose overtone, the 19, another great 1980s movie where it's like the parents are looking at D and D like it's the devil. It's, you know, it's, yes. it's, it's a satanic cult ruining the world. So you had, <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's that's true shit. Our mom was like that. Our mom was yeah. like that, dude. <laughs> yeah. My mom was just well, like, you're not gonna play. D-. Mom was like, you're not gonna play D and D. That's satanic. That's satanic cult shit, you know. And I'm just like, yeah, my no, sister, it's not, yeah. dude. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's a it's a card game, mom. See, I grew up. I grew up in a household where we weren't allowed to watch. The it's Simpsons. the Ouija board. We weren't allowed to watch, <laughs> yeah. like you know, married with children, none of that stuff. So it yeah. was it was kind of nice to see that overture. It's just a little. It was a little too heavy. Brad, I know you had something. Yeah, I'm sorry. So one of the things that I, I took note on uh, pretty much every single episode, and it's something I've been thinking for the last three seasons, really, with this show, is that the Duffer Brothers, and I, I mean, we got to credit the Duffer Brothers, is that they develop characters. I know we've already kind of talked about this, but we, they develop characters like nobody's business, right? And so this is going back to talking yes. about Lucas, right? And what I love about it is that, yes, they're caricatures in a lot of ways. They're humorous. I mean, we got Dustin, who's humorous. Steve, who is just amazing, but he's also comic relief. But what it also does is it captures within that humor real life struggles and situations that we have from Max's, you know, depression because she went through a fucking traumatic event watching her brother get, you know, mutilated. But going back to Lucas, each one of us, right? Each one of us, doesn't matter what social standing or what ladder, you know, rung we were on in high school, we always thought, what would it be like to be the one that everybody cheered for we to be the one that everybody liked i mean when we see i think it's season yeah, one jock, right? when he makes that last basket and wins the fucking championship everybody adores him and i think that instead of looking at lucas and being like oh fuck you, you trade on your friends he got what he wanted and i think we need to respect him for that right I, I would oh, say yeah. more. Yeah. I would say more. Fuck, fuck, Mike and Dustin for not being at his game, yes. and not knowing that I that agree. was a championship game. I agree. Like, and I agree. and this is this is the problem with friendships in high school and in juvenile friendships is that you know they're so everyone's selfish and they prize themselves above the the the, the group. And I think that is Will's uh, driving force is that Will puts the group before himself, and that is why he's having such a hard time with everything. Like that's one of the reasons why he's, I think there's something else too. You can see all the friends. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you can see all the friends in a lot of ways. They're growing away from each other. And that's what you do. They're being influenced too. They're being influenced by others. Yeah. Everyone's going their own different path and everything like that. And that's just what happens when you go to school, you know, the friends that you grew up in junior high, you'll stay with the friends, you know, maybe one it's or two hard. of them in high school. It's hard, you know? It's really hard, yeah. And I think episode one really put that foundation as capturing that, okay, this is what might happen. Everyone's kind of spread apart. What's going to well, happen what about, when this evil what comes about in? Chrissy? Well, it's interesting about Chrissy is that you see that she's being haunted by something. And what's so great about episode one is you don't really get an idea of what the villain is until the very end of the episode of chapter one. 
which is like, oh shit, what is this? You know, because yeah. Chrissy's being like haunted by something. We don't know what it is. Brandon, I know you have something. I'm not a huge fan of revealing the villain or revealing the complete visual of the villain ever, or especially not in the first fucking episode. But I will tell you this. I was terrified. That's the first time in this show that I was like, fuck, that thing is scary. <laughs> <laughs> right? And what it did to Chrissy, I was like, oh. oh no. <laughs> no, I thought she was going to be possessed. I didn't think that her eyes were going to get sucked out of her socket and shit. When, like, Eddie, oh. stream, when Eddie streamed, I laughed and streamed like, <laughs> Oh, shit, that's my, my favorite is when Eddie's like, you know, Christy, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this, Christy. Stop, please, stop. Brent, that's what I, I really liked Eddie at that time. I was like, oh, Eddie's funny a little bit. No, I, that, that, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about before we sign off for this episode is we need to talk about that ending. Right? I think that it caught – I think it probably caught everybody off guard. I know it caught me off guard. And I'm sitting there. I'm watching it. I'm watching it at night by myself. And all I can do is just like <laughs> laugh because I didn't see it coming because it was so I'm kind of out of nowhere when her body starts contorting like that. And you just like, holy fuck, I've not I, at that point. It introduces us into this idea that we have no idea what we're going to be in for for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And the power of that villain and the day that how fucking scary he looked. And it just I'm telling you, it was terrifying. It really actually paid it mirrored what happened in uh, Nightmares on Elm Street when the first person, Tina, dies. Literally goes up to the bill, up to the ceiling, just like Chrissy, being torn to bits. The guys don't know what's going on, and it, it's exactly what that vibe was. And I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be like a nightmare or some type of dreamscape. This is going to be on a different level here. So yeah, well, it was R.I.P. R.I.P. Chrissy, and oh. uh, that was very sad. And and Jeremiah, bring us home. Wait, wait, real quick. We should try to speed our our voting up, just if we're going to try to keep the time limit. Okay, well, this was first. Absolutely. This was episode just, one, yeah. right? No, I know. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, you're right. Just keep it short. Keep it sweet. Short and simple, my friends. And that brings us to the inner review. Now it's time on the podcast where each of the hosts provides a score on the following scale. Eddie provided scale, please. Yes, zero the perfect episode. You don't need shit to enjoy it. One, a feel good first cocktail. Two, a happy buzz. Three, you're gonna Uber or Lyft you home. Four, a rough morning walk of shame. Or five, blackout shit face spring break drunk. Gentlemen, let's start with Jeremiah. So I came in with this episode, and I think the first ten minutes you're just like, holy shit, what happened here? Fucking crazy. Um, it really brought a, a foundation what chapter one and the rest of the season is gonna be. I actually really enjoyed the shit out of the episode. I like how everyone was kind of like separate. And they actually gave like a background background of each uh, of our characters and their stories and whatnot. To me, it was a surprise. It, we got the villain in the end. So for me, this is easy uh, uh, a shot for me. I actually really enjoyed the episode here. A shot. So, so point five. Yep. Good. Okay. Point five. All right, I can take. Uh, uh, oh, you want um, to go? Okay. Oh. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. All right. So uh, like I mentioned, I, I came into this skeptical um, just because I, I didn't want to just be like on the Stranger Things fan train like uh, like everybody seems to be. Um, and I enjoyed one through three. Didn't love it. And so I came in. I was really critical. I was a little bit tired of some of the over the top stereotypical cliches that we get the bullying of L, the over the top Munson. Um, you know, it just seemed to me that they were just trying too hard. And honestly, it set me up to worry a little bit what, about what was coming coming to to pass in the next couple uh, of episodes until we get Chrissy's death. 
And to me, that rips it apart. And it saved a lot of my worry, I guess, even though I'm not a horror fan, it saved my worry because I realized that we're in for something that is, is going to be different and not going to apologize. Just like we got in the very beginning of the episode and we got the very end of the episode for that. um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be hard on this, uh, on this episode and it hurts me to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and agree with Jer. It's a 0.5 for me. So Sean, that's hard. That's hard on the episode. Oh, just you wait. So just you wait. Like, man, my Jeez. score is just like, you hey, wait. Like, <laughs> just you wait. This is a horror, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brandon, welcome <laughs> to the Gilman's Club. I'm going to hold back for a minute. So, <laughs> so I agree with Brandon. I think that it started off a little rocky. The, over, the, 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 the letters that they were writing back and forth to each other, it kind of hit me wrong. The opening 10 minutes was beautiful, and then it kind of, I don't know, struck a chord like – I don't like watching her be bullied. I don't like this. It's making me uncomfortable. And I thought it was a little too long and the pacing was just a little off. But then all of a sudden you had like Chrissy, not just her death at the end, but the the fear that she was experiencing with the clock and in the bathroom. And, and we didn't really even talk about all that. But you have this kind of development of Chrissy's character. I think that uh, this is a 0.75 for me. I do not like the jock. I don't think that that the really pep rally was was at all. I'm sorry. I did yeah, not that think was that very the, 80s. The pep rally was 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 necessary. I think that could have been completely cut out of the episode. I think, frankly, his character could have been cut out of the whole season. But um, that's where I'm going to leave it. I know we're trying to hurry. So, uh, Ed, go ahead. Um, with this episode, I do wish we had more uh, after Chrissy died at the very end. I was kind of sad because there was great chemistry between Eddie and Chrissy. And I know the brothers even thought that, I think it's the Duffin brothers. They were like, we didn't know, we didn't expect them to have that much chemistry. And we wish we would have somewhat kept Chrissy a little bit longer because they had a lot of chemistry. Um, I wanted more of that, but you had to wait till the end of the episode to get that. Um, the beginning of the episode, they do Stranger Things does this. It's like they wait six months too long to release it. Almost feels like you're almost you, you're entering the first episode. Of like, wait, what's going on again? Like, I almost forget who where everyone's at. And yes. it's just like it's this like delay of like catch up. And it's like even though it's so half the episode was just like this. What's going on? I, it's it's dragging on a little bit with Elle's in high school. She's being bullied. Everyone's across states, and it, it, it dragged on a little bit more. I wish. I don't know if that's this, but that's what Stranger Things does. And then towards the end, it just pulls you in, pulls you in and grabs you by the nuts. And you're like, holy shit. Like, well, freaking okay, you got me back. Like, but yeah, it, it, so I'm giving this the same as Sean, a 0.75. It started off a little slow, but then it came out, it came out around the end, hardcore, ready to go. Came out like a ready bat out of hell, man. Two, bro. Like a bat, bat out, out of hell. hell. Yeah, seriously. It's like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this back out of hell. Um, so I'll give it 0.75. All right. So when you take those uh, four ratings and you divide them. I can't by, see uh, we, uh, So when you combine the scores, divide by four. Uh, Eddie, what does this give episode one an average rating of? Yeah, Brian is right. Uh, it's a point six two five. <laughs> That's really good for the first episode. A point well, six two five. And I think Jeremiah on the list, it's uh, probably first, right? Well, let's put this way: for an episode, yeah, for, for a, Stranger Things, for <laughs> Stranger Things, yes. For episode one, actually, it's about, it's done pretty well, actually. Yeah. Okay. Vecna's curse. Woo! Here we go. Man, Chrissy got fucked up on that last one, man. Shit. Yeah, she did. Dude, not, yeah. did not expect her, her eyes. Get, did you expect her eyes get all fucking pulled out and shit like that? Like, yeah, no, shit. she did. No. And that when, was for a reason. It was when her fucking arm went backwards and then her leg went right after it. And I was like, <laughs> fuck me. 
This whole thing. I was fucking fuck? no. I was out. I was like, what? I was wondering about you, Sean. <laughs> I was like Eddie, bro. I was like straight like Eddie. I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Anyways, Brandon. All right. Well, Brandon, go ahead. All right. The second episode, Vecna's Curse, which I believe is the first time we get the name Vecna. Anyway, Vecna's Curse finds me. Actually, we don't. Uh, during the. Uh, no. No, during D D and D. Oh, you're right. We do mentioned. have that fucking Eddie yeah. just brought it in. So you wonder, did Eddie, get, did Eddie more, summon I, him? We get more details. What? All right. Well, anyway, well, that's the question always, of they, every yeah. every first every, episode. Every the season. Mind Flayer. Yeah. Demogorgon. Yeah. Gives you hints. Yeah. Demogorgon. <laughs> oh man, it's so fucking good. All right. Well, this uh, this episode finds Mike in California, what can only be described as a rocky reunion with L. A new victim is taken by Vecna, and we learn a little bit about the origins of the evil terrorizing the town in very, very much, I would say, Stephen King fashion. So, and yes. the, these descriptions, these descriptions are rather thin because there's literally nothing on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, so, no one, and we don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's us. <laughs> so let's let's start a little bit with the character of Max, which we really didn't talk about last season, uh, last episode. Max is, I think. Uh, First of all, the actress who plays awesome. her was a shining star in the season, and Sadie. especially Sadie, uh, Sadie uh, yeah, in Sadie the first Sink. four in the first four episodes, she was just absolutely magnificent. So, in a, in oh season, in a, excuse me, in episode two, we find that she is kind of uh, still she she's deteriorating, and she's deteriorating as a, you know into depression and and guilt and over over Billy's death she's taking medication she's seeing the therapist and and you get this sense that she's kind of losing her mind and and I, I think that was really interesting it was also kind of interesting to see how the scooby gang kind of came back together like the band got back together in a weird way in this episode uh, max goes and sees that chrissy's actually been torn up whatnot knows that eddie saw something she experienced something and she goes right to dustin and then they just start doing their whole kind of like, you know, investigation, what's going on and everything. With and Nancy it was, also. Yeah. It was kind of like a good way to start from episode one to episode two, getting the, the, the train back on the, on the track, sort of say. You have Nancy and you also have Steve and you, you, you realize what's Will's brother, Jonathan? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. out of town, right? So you have Nancy and Steve there and you're like, you start already picturing Nancy's being a detective with her core, what's her partner? The the Fred, guy, Fred. Fred. Yeah. Oh God, help him. Oh. So, <laughs> so here, here's what I, I'm going to reiterate. What Jeremy said about about the show last uh, episode was: you do get an Empire Strikes Back vibe. You've got different factions of the groups together. You've got, you know, you you've kind of got. The, the people looking out for Eddie. You've got Steve and the new Robin, character Robin. introduced last season, Robin, Robin. Oh, who I really like. Fucking um, amazing. And, and you've kind of got everyone has everyone has paired off or, or grouped off. And now all of a sudden, like you say, Jeremiah, they're all starting to have to come back together because they know shit's hitting the fan. They know something's going on, even if the rest of the town doesn't know. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. What I really like about this episode, too, is like it balances between what's going on in Hawkins and what's going on with California, or kind of bringing back Hopper and the whole situation is happening, in, you know, in uh, Russia or wherever that place is out yeah. there. Uh, yeah, you, you get the idea with Hopper that, okay, he's in the picture again, but it'll probably take a couple more episodes before his side of the story gets bigger. You just know he's stuck in in this camp, right? Like he's, he's and it's, this is from the last season three of how he gets, like, he pretty much jumped into this 
portal to stay alive, right? I think that's what it is. And then all of a sudden, I, I don't know if he's in the portal, but then he wakes up and he has Russians pointing guns at him and he's pretty much in the camp. Soviet Union. And he, he realizes that he's... KGB. Yeah, Soviet Union. And he realizes that he's not just in any regular prison. He's in a like a, a, a testing site or something. <laughs> Well, it also right shows you just how close how close Alaska is to the Soviet Union. So. You, very close. <laughs> like, go ahead, Brandon. Well, I mean, <laughs> on that, <laughs> on that, uh, I mean, you can just stand at somebody's house and just look over and see Russia um, from their back from their back door. I'm uh, telling you, it's that close. <laughs> I mean, Sarah apparently, Palin, apparently, Sarah Palin jokes still work. Uh, Palin, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so I've got I've got two things. One, I want to kind of piggyback. Uh, no pun intended. If you know what I'm talking about, last episode was called the piggyback. Anyway, I want to piggyback off of what you guys right said. Um, but ultimately, one of the things I would say the most constant word in my notes that I took really good care of uh, keeping up to date throughout my watching was intense. Like I don't know how many things I described as intense, but Hopper's torture is intense it's hard to watch right um when we see him being freaking suffocated that was an intense hard to watch uh or a portion of the episode but then i want so i just wanted to kind of talk about that that i loved what they showed with hopper but at the same time it was if anything too much um because how are you going to survive that for eight months became an adult it became an adult show it very much in episode one and in episode two, they just kept going. Like yeah. they just kept pushing the envelope. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to just say real quick is I, I, I love that this season doesn't beat around the bush. We talked about that last episode with literally the beginning of, yeah. of L, you know, quote unquote, destroying everybody in the testing facility. But we get right into this, this kind of cataclysmic event that ripple effects throughout the entire uh, season. And that's L taking out the bully. Um, and, and I mean, God damn it. Yeah. We may be kind of on the fence with L at this point because you're like, Oh, she just killed 45 people in that testing facility, but fuck it. Everybody was rooting for her to jam that fucking skate through pretty girl's face. <laughs> Right, um, but what I, I Dude, love that they, fucked her right? up, bro. We talk about pacing. Wait, I, hold on. What? And we hold on, Brandon. We want to make it very clear: we do not support violence on this show in any kind, unless it's a skate to the head to a bully. And That's it's fictional. Fine. And it's fictional. We don't like bullies. Fictional. We don't um, like bullies. Yeah, I'm pacifistic, but fucking man, she has got to go down. It, God damn it! It was it was so awkward too. Just you you had you had Mike and L there, and then Will's is uh, uh, like, "Oh, let's see your friends." You know, and L's like, "Oh, this is my friend," and you're like, "Oh, oh this so is embarrassing. Bad. You this, knew this, it was this is so mad. embarrassing." You, you, Jonathan is he hides? He drops off the kids like he's at like, "Hey, kids, let's here go." Just Jonathan's girl eating high with his I friend mean, with the surfer pizza guy. Oh, guy. It made me upset how Jonathan was not. Yeah, he was not in the episodes at first. It made me upset with his disinvolvement with the whole group yeah um but it i was thought that it, uh, whole part yeah yeah i didn't like that part with, well with i didn't that. like I jonathan say, oh sorry robin ahead. robin and steve robin and steve though their connection at the video store old school video store vibes made me just like laugh and like it was this like hollywood video or like uh blockbuster video yeah no i i Brand saw what i thought was one of the best memes uh or maybe it was tweets or whatever i don't know probably wasn't tweet because i don't i don't go on twitter but anyway uh one of the best whatevers that i saw which is they should have a spinoff series that's just steve and robin working for a, a, an episode or working for a season at a store and then getting like fired clerks. by the end yeah. of it like literally yeah like clerks, clerks. like <laughs> legitimately 
I would watch that. I would be so in. And by the way, I just got to take a second and say, holy fucking shit. She looks exactly like her mom and her dad, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. I, I, I literally was Uma in Thurman, awe, bro. which by the way, I love both of them. And are we ignoring, are we also ignoring the fact that the movie that she picked for the, for the movie was Dr. Zhivago, a love story set in fucking Russia? Like, are we, are we just going to ignore that? I mean, I didn't good even think catch. About that. That was good, good catch. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many tiny catches here that it's just like, you have to watch it again to see those other, yeah. there's so much that goes through quickly. I do want to, so, I do want to, so Mike and Kel, yeah. So I, I just want to say, I do want to talk real quick about Jonathan and get you guys' thoughts on Jonathan, because if there's one character arc that I, I didn't really like, um, I love Argyle. I love the fact that our stoner Jonathan has brought Argyle into our life, but seeing Jonathan turn the way of the pothead, uh, which trust me, if you're a pothead out there, I, I, I respect you 100%, but it, t- it just went a little bit against Jonathan's character. Now, maybe that's him rebelling or maybe that's him just handling shit in his own way. But what do you guys think of Jonathan being like this total stoner dude? Yeah. Jer. I think it's just him dealing with the shit of being insecure and everything like that. Not because he smoked pot because it's fucking great. Don't get me wrong. And whatnot. Okay. But I'm just saying that some people use it as a, a defense mechanism. Kind of an escape. And I think he got that from, yeah. And I think he got that from Jonathan. We're just trying to, he has he's at the he's at the edge of making the biggest decision in his life and he's fucking scared about something, you know, and you don't get that idea until later on in the season and then you get yeah. that. I think it's good. Yeah, Sean. I got I got a real American I got a real American graffiti vibe from him. Um oh. that he was yeah, very uh Richard Dreyfus. Which is a great job. episode um, on three and a half gentlemen. <laughs> I also want to say something here is I think that they're distancing uh, us from Jonathan because Jonathan is going to be Will's connection in season five. Jonathan is going to bring him back and I'm going to make a prediction here. I believe Jonathan is going to die in season five for his one brother. of one of Will. Steve. I think that's what's yeah. going to happen. Either Steve or Jonathan have There's to go. theories about that. No, Steve. If Steve Dude, dies, no, uh, yeah, no, no. This whole spoiler, season, by the way, I'm originally, like, I hope Steve doesn't die. You better not fucking die. Originally, I think it was supposed to be you know, a long time ago. It was supposed to be Steve, but then the love of Steve has, you can't let Steve go. He's yeah. he became the the fan favorite, like the Walking Dead. Well, with, Steve uh, was supposed to die in yeah. season one. He was yep. supposed to die in season one, and and they kept him around. And then all of a sudden, you know, Thank we're we're God. now at season five, season four. And it I'm was, telling you what, he's he's the best yeah. character. He's the best character. It in was the hilarious show. between Dustin, Steve, and Eddie when yes. they were, went looking for Eddie, and Eddie pretty much got the the the, the jump on Steve and had a, no, a knife to his throat. And Steve's just like, "Hey, we're you know," it's, Dustin's like, "Hey, we're cool. We're here to help yeah. you, right?" <laughs> and Steve's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, I'm cool, man." Like it was just funny, like because this is where the first time you get to see Steve, like. Hey Dustin, like he has another friend named Eddie, and it was like this three way of friendship that Eddie and Steve was and jealous. Steve, Steve, Steve is jealous. Steve was jealous, jealous and, and Eddie was just it was hilarious. Yeah, but there's that that set that sets up one of I think the season's many many beautiful moments, and that's a conversation that happens later in the episodes. I can't remember which episode it was, but it's when actually I guess it would be probably seven or, or, or eight or nine but um, when Eddie's talking to Steve and says man Dustin idolizes you he looks up to you and you can see just right. the pride and the happiness and like legitimate joy What's that Steve has right. in that connection because you know he jokes about the he, him being the babysitter and, and, and but he is not a babysitter he is he is a family with this group of people and I think that that again goes back to what I said that this this show 
does character development better than legitimately any other show that I've seen. And I've seen some shows that I love like lost, which is character driven, but damn it, this show exceeds what lost does with what it does with character development. Jer. I I actually love Dustin in this season here because you see the love for Eddie and he's just like, no way he would never do something like that. You know, when we were getting, making fun of in high school, he was the one that was saving us. And he puts like kind of like an idea like, wow, dude, Eddie guy must be fucking legit, man. And everything like that. This is the element of the, of the show that I think they could have eliminated where Eddie is wanted for the murder of, uh chrissy Chrissy. and then you have you know that's enough the police are after him that's fine you know he's hidden out in the boathouse of drug dealer steve or whatever the hell his name was but you have this the jock creating this like search party to go kill him and to go hunt him down and i understand that that inevitably leads to to lucas breaking away from the basketball team and rejoining his friends but i think that that part of the show didn't need to have it just didn't need to be there like it just was unnecessary well well said yeah that 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 jock quarterback i don't know his name i i I was i was real every episode i started to have more hatred towards him than the main character of the the main villain of vetner i was like yeah this guy has to go so ed ed i got a i got a question for you how excited were you uh throughout this entire season with the constant references, I know, Jerry, we keep talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, but I think that there's so many references to Michael Myers. There's so many references to Halloween. And all I could think of is, God damn it, I hate the, all these references that I love. But at the same time, I hate, <laughs> I hate him even Can more because I know Eddie. <laughs> yeah, I got it now. But literally, so the, and I, this, this is me introducing something I want to talk about, which is Victor Creel and his backstory. And what I said is that, or what I thought at the moment of watching this is that it had such a great dynamic and a mystery to it. And, and, we don't know who Victor Creel is at this point. You know, we haven't explored who he is. We haven't met him yet. But it adds that weird legend dimension to this story, and it's beautiful. It has a Michael Myers vibe, dude. Mm-hmm. Very vibe, uh, vibe strong. I want to jump in because you said something last episode that is so true. The show doesn't waste time. It it uses its characters to spread information. So it uses Eddie's uncle to start the little stones rumbling down about the Creole family, about mm-hmm. the way that she was killed, and then all of a sudden it sparks a fire in Nancy and you know Nancy because Fred. Fred's about to die, yeah. but um, Nancy, who really you know jumps into the story, and I think that you know the the story sends you on such a such a nice wave that you forget that you're in the middle of a horror story because you just want to know like what fuck happened, like you want to know what yeah. to happen with the Creel family. You don't you don't yes. care that it ties in. You just want to know the end. Sorry, Jeremiah, go ahead. No, it, it has a great introduction about Beckman now, like this this episode two, this chapter two here. Where you're like, oh shit, this person can play uh, tricks with your mind and everything like that. With especially with Fred, where that guy that cop oh, was all cop. of a sudden like, you know, turning to Vega. That was like, oh shit, that freaked me out. And then he was like trying to run away, and he goes into the woods, and everyone's like, murderer, murderer. I'm like, oh shit, this is getting fucked up. Yeah, I love See? the ending of this, where they explain Vecna's curse. You know about who this person is. And then you also get another kind of like a sense of what he does. A second, yeah. and a second, a second, really, a really bitching victim. Yeah. Here, here's my criticism of the show, um, and and it, it dissipated over the course. Sorry, it dissipated over the course of the nine episodes. But I didn't feel like I understood enough about the victims that you know Chrissy died, and all of a sudden now Fred's dead. Why are they dying in the first season? You know, Barb died because she was there. Um, you know, you you had. 
characters that they never explained why they were going after these characters. Fucking Bob. Now I'm wondering, oh fuck, these characters have darkness in and common. depth to them. Something in common. Right. Yeah, they're like they're, they're hiding something. They have some type of they're hurting inside. There's some type of like they've they've done something that no one's known about. And they're you know, so instantly you start thinking about, well, that's that's Fred, that's Chrissy. And you're almost trying to know like if you really think about it, it's like that's also kind of like Matt's. If you really have to look back at the show as a whole, it's just like it there's some hurt the that Matt's turning. has. It right. does because yeah, it gets it, the wheels turning. Is this also the, the episode where Nancy and Robin goes to the no 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 war? no, no. Was that episode? No, no, I was I was getting about Eddie, it. Yeah, I was getting mixed up. The breaks. Bro. This one, this one was. Nancy Sorry. and Fred were at the at the mobile home park. Fred goes right. off, and then it ends with the story of Vec- Vecna. And the 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 murder of yeah. Fred. So you've got kind but of this climax. But you get yeah. the 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 story of that family. Creel. Victor you instantly Creel. see Victor, right? And you you instantly you you see the the mom die. You see the the daughter die, and no, uh, and you, see, you, you don't see that until next, next episode. Oh, you don't see it yeah. that one. So, but do you get Steve Harrington saving at the end of the day of this one that he he pulls up with the group with? With uh, Dustin, no, no. no this episode Robin. dies with the Fred. Fred, yeah. Stuff. This oh, is, it does. Mm-hmm. Right, right. This is it. what happens at the end of the episode: is that they find Eddie inside the boat shack and whatnot, and they kind of like let him know, like, listen, you. This place is. I mean, you're not alone here. The weird shit happens here, you know. In this they, town, and they explain, yeah. and they explain what's going on, like what he yes. saw with Chrissy, and what he's explaining with Vecna, and what you see here in this chapter two is that. He's going on. Vecna feeds off the vulnerable. He's feeding off. He's like a prey, man. And you get that vibe in chapter two. And you're like, fuck. This is like very Freddy Cougar vibe here, man. Like kind of lucid dreamy type of shit. So it really kind of sets you up for the next chapter. You're like, I don't know what's going on, but something's happening. I can't wait to see the next episode. And then you have the third. Then you have the third kind of storyline, which is Joyce and Murray. And I will oh, say this: Murray. Murray. I was not a huge fan of Murray. I love him now. And I was really upset because I thought he was going to die. <laughs> but Don't spoil. Murray, Murray and, and Joyce going to Russia, like getting ready to go and lying to the kids. Like that whole element was, I think, keeping Hopper a secret. I think that was smart because it allowed the kids to focus on other things. And after L's incident at the, uh, at the, at the skating rink. rink, you just know that the next thing that to happen is just clash. Something's going to clash. And so, uh, yeah, I think this episode did a really good job to set up moving into the next one. And that brings us to the end of review. Now it's time to podcast where each of the hosts provides a score on the following scale. Eddie, can you provide the following scale, please? Yes. Zero, the perfect episode. You don't need shit to enjoy it. One, a feel good first cocktail. Uh, two, a happy buzz. Three, you're going to Uber or lifting home. Four, a rough morning walk of shame. Five, blackout, shit face, spring break drunk. Uh, gentlemen, let's start with Brandon. Yeah, so um, last episode, I was I was very um, critical and uh, and hard on this uh, this episode. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say that what I saw in, in episode two of this season is a step, a major leap in the right direction as far as them knowing what they're doing, right? The first, but the first episode of any season, you're just kind of like getting your feet wet. Eddie, you said it last episode that like they take way too long in between seasons. So you have to kind of establish who these characters are, get them back on pace. Um, They did that. And what I loved, I loved the attack at the skating rink, not because it was an attack, but because it got the ball rolling 
fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the pawns definitely getting in position to start really kind of playing the game. Um, and for that, it, you know, it does have a couple of things that maybe if I'm being uber critical, I could say, ah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, but ultimately, this is a huge leap in the right direction. So I'm going to go for a point three. Um, it's just going to incrementally just get lower and lower. <laughs> just just saying that. So I'm going to go with the point three. Um, <laughs> Sean, I'm going to go with you now. Uh, uh, all right. So um, I thought that this episode did a lot to further the story. It it really did uh, kind of round out some of the characters. Uh, I really loved the the focus on Dustin. I love the focus on Max. I thought, you know, once again, uh, Max as the actress who plays Max Sadie, she she was fabulous. And you kind of have this this deterioration that is kind of comes to a head in the next episode. Um, and, and I really love to watch a character subtly go through that and the way she's doing it, you know, the way she's deteriorating in front of her friends and nobody's really noticing, I think is done beautifully by her. Um, generally speaking, I think this episode was as good as the first episode. I still, I didn't care for the skating rink part. I didn't care for the, the feeling I got when Elle got the shake dumped on her. Like that just cliche. I I, I don't know. There's something about it. No, it's not cliche so much as I, I really fucking hate bullying and, and to see it like that, it just like. It really, it really gives me like uh, uncomfortable feelings, and I don't like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm gonna give this a point, a point seven five. I'm gonna give it the same score as I did the first episode. I really do think this is, this is, you know, to to say that we're being hard on it, Brandon, is just crazy. A point seven five is a fucking. If you know score, how so. I feel about Eddie, this season, though, <laughs> if you knew, Brandon, what did you give? Brandon, what did you I give? I gave a, a point three. three. He gave it. He gave it eighty uh, an eighty score, man. That's yeah, jeez. <laughs> okay, well, we see know my point three and, and see me at point twenty nine. So uh, I'm gonna go instantly to the things that I didn't like about this episode. Uh, I was hoping for more. Uh, I mean, you see Jonathan and Argyle hitting golf balls when shit's going down at the skating rink. I think it was, and you know, and then he's pretty much talking about he wished Nancy would. It would have been on the airport, you know, to it. It's a little bit like Jonathan, drop your balls a little bit and go visit your girlfriend <laughs> back out uh, back in Indiana. She needs you. Like that would have been cool. Uh, you get Hopper in Russia. That was cool that he was back. Everyone knows he was alive. So, I mean, it would have been cool too to see him in upside down. But I think it was, you, you get this idea of like, okay, he's in the whole crowd. He's, how is this going to turn out? Um, I don't like how I, I, I feel this disconnect right now with these two episodes with personally with Will and Jonathan and I, and I continue to feel this. I feel like there's more that I want out of them. I, I feel like everyone else developed really well uh, so far in the first two episodes of uh, Stranger Things yeah, 4. And I, I, I'm start, I just, I get this like uh, this thing with Will, like he's just like always in the background, like with horrible haircut, horrible yeah, haircut. Yeah, 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 something about like, I'm sad and like, no one's looking at me. And I, what do you want with Mike? His best friend coming across. Like, it's, I can tell you what he wants with Mike roll over and over. I wish they gave him something else. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, come on now. And then like, and, like, I just know like Jonathan, it's just both those characters. And it's funny that it's that they're brothers, I guess it's like, they, there's not enough of a story for them so far. They've been um, through a lot, bro. They've been through three been, seasons. There's so much more they could have added. Instead, you gave you gave pot to one of them, and the other one you gave like he's just a feeling really uh, insignificant towards uh, the bull haircut and with L. 
But overall, everything else really, you know, was cool. The, I, I did like the the scene with the uh, roller skate rink, and then also you get uh, a little bit of Indy and the Indiana killings of like there's this murderer going through, and everyone starts to realize is it is it really Eddie? Because Eddie's not around, and this guy t- got killed just like Chrissy out in the middle of nowhere, uh, Fred. Um, but I thought this was uh, a, a step down from the episode one. Personally, I don't think it was the same. Personally, I I, I didn't feel it as much. I thought there was, it, it was a little bit left. I was left on cliffhangers. So I'm gonna give this a one point two. It's a fucking yeah. It's a cliffhanger, bro. Where, yeah, it's a season. It's a show. It, 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 it <laughs> wasn't Andy, the same. It was less than than the first episode. What'd you give? One point two five. One point two five. Oh, one point. One point two five. Jeremiah, I'll finish it out, man. Uh, other than Eddie, I actually thought this was actually a great episode, the follow-up episode one, because you got like, the ball rolling, ball rolling on a lot of different things. None of our characters feel comfortable. Everyone feels out of place. And I love that vibe regarding to our heroes that we love so much and that we actually grown pretty much, you know, with in a lot of different seasons. Uh, I think Max, uh, the character, is probably one of the best characters of this new season. And I think you get an introduction of the villain here, and I love that so much. But I, I actually love this episode because it just gives us more deeper what the whole villain is going to be for the rest of the series. And I actually just, I think it was just good as the first episode for me. So this was actually a 0.5. This is actually a shot. 0.5. It, it should have been better. All right. So uh, when you uh, uh, combine those scores and divide by four, what does uh, episode two get an average rating of? Thanks a lot, Eddie. A point seven. Yeah, a point I, seven. I don't think it was better than the first episode, personally. Yeah, well, I don't you think made it was. sure that everybody so, uh, knew that. I, I, instantly after 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 this episode, I felt like I was like, okay, let's just watch three. Like it wasn't like, oh my god, that was badass. So like, let me, I, I, you know, that's how I felt. Let me throw one more thing out there, Brandon. I know that everyone thinks that Will's gay and that that's going to be the big reveal. I think they're going to head fake us with a uh, love actually and determine that he is actually deeply in love with Eleven. I agree. Oh I agree. no. I like that. No. I think, yes. That, I think he's he's very jealous of conversation of that and, and in the van episode eight, I think. He's Oh dude, no. Will is in love. What are you talking about? Come on, yo. That's not what happened. I'm still okay. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna hold my ground. All I'm right, holding my ground too. I agree. You, if you enjoyed our review or a fan of the podcast, we ask you please subscribe wherever you're listening. Give us a five star review on iTunes. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at the dot gentleman podcast. The dot means a lot. You can visit our website at the gentleman podcast.com or if you want to, you can reach out by email at hosts with an S H O S T S at the gentleman podcast.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you for episode three shortly. See you on the other side, guys. Thank Cheers. You. We really need Brian Cox to be in an episode. Thank you.